I'm truly honored this morning to be in your midst and to be sharing with you in your worship experience. We were privileged to have your pastor and a number of members from this church being a part of a mission experience in the circuit of churches that I pastored in Jamaica. I normally say to our friends when they are in our midst that one of the beauties about sharing with us in Jamaica is that the climate reflects the warmth of our hospitality. (laughs) And truly, it was a very warm summer, still is, and most of the time it is warm, reflecting our warmth. But we were blessed. Wonderful experience. Over 119 souls saved for the kingdom of God. And that's what it's all about. Reaching one soul each time. Accent is a little bit different, but it's the British English. Hope that you listen carefully as I speak slowly as we share together today. Romans chapter 12. Want to read the first two verses. Kind of find the King James translation somewhat appropriate for what I will share today. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that he present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be he transformed by the renewing of your mind, that he may prove what is that good, an acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to speak to you on living the sacrificial life. Living the sacrificial life. Let's pray. God, open our hearts that we will be receptive to your word. Speak into our hearts with clarity. In a wonderful name we pray. Amen. We are living in a consumer-driven world. And the very thought of living the sacrificial life is something which which runs counter to a prosperity culture that is reflected across the world. But I believe that if my exegetical understanding of Jesus' ministry is correct, 
there are much that can be learned from the ministry of Jesus in regards to living the sacrificial life. Because simplicity was the order of the day in the life of Jesus. And that is one of the reasons why in Christ's earthly ministry, he had a common touch that whoever you were in society, you would have felt comfortable in the presence of Christ. It is this in mind that I believe that Paul, a tremendous scholar, was seeking to articulate one of the realities of serving Christ, especially in an environment that was somewhat toxic. As Paul writes to the Roman, I believe that there are two things out of several things that I would want to share from these two verses quickly with you this morning. If you are going to live the sacrificial life, then the first thing that you need to do is to surrender to Christ. Paul is saying that what God expects from us is holy living. And therefore, to present our bodies, it simply means that God is calling us to give all we have to him so that he will be able to transform us and to use us for his glory. Now, the reality of this is that it speaks to how God expects each believer to live. Our sacrificial to him ought not to be partial. Our sacrificial to Christ must be full. So we place our all on the altar of sacrifice. The word present in the text is in a tense that suggests a one-time, all-time action. So we give ourselves fully to Christ so that Christ, through the Holy Spirit, can transform our lives. The picture I get from this is that when we have given ourselves to Christ, Christ has absolute ownership of our lives. And when he owns us, he has the liberty to do what he wants to do with our lives. But this runs counter 
to a lot of things that I see happening in Christendom today. I'd like to say to our members in Jamaica that there are many of us who live our lives like a traffic light. A traffic light. When it is on red, we stop. And when the signal changes from red to green, we go. And there are many of us who claim to have a relationship with Christ that are virtually operating like a traffic light. We are on fire for Christ today. And then the next day, our minds completely change. It's kind of like Israel journeying through the wilderness for 40 years. And the only thing that was consistent about Israel was their inconsistency. For their lives were like a recurring decimal. And, 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 and it is reflective of us today. When we have given ourselves to Christ, we have sold out our rights. We are not our own. And then we are placed in the hand of a gracious God who can use us to accomplish his will. But Paul is saying, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. No, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, sacrifice was to die. The priest used to go into the temple day after day, presenting sacrifices for the sins of the people. One of the things about the priests in the Old Testament, theologians will tell you, a lot of them were very fat because it was the blood that was presented as a sacrifice and they used to feast of the meat along with their friends. But that sacrifice, for it to be presented, you had to kill the animals. No, the sacrifice that Christ gives to us is for us to live. He died that you and I might live. And Paul is saying that when we have presented our bodies to Christ, have a living sacrifice, we are dead to sin and alive in Christ. And the living sacrifice is a continuous sacrifice. Not serving God as I please. Because your body is the temper of God. And you have signal to the world that you are now a child of God. An agent of change. A people of God who now will make a difference in a world that is dying in sin. You cannot be under the control of Christ and seeking to forge your agenda. The sacrificial life is a life that empties itself to Christ and a life that is alive by the renewing 
of the Spirit of Christ. So Paul is saying, to live the sacrificial life is to surrender yourself to Christ. But a second truth that I glean from this text is that Paul is saying, let Christ transform your life. So watch this text, this glorious text, that if you had time, you could probe it in depth. Paul moves from the body to the mind. And Paul is saying, do not let the world control your mind. I say something to you today, my friends, that as a believer in Christ, I'm not afraid of persecution, but I am afraid of penetration. For the world can persecute you. And the world will persecute you. But persecution will not break you. It will make you as a believer. But if the world penetrates your mind, the world now controls your thought. So Paul is saying, when you present your bodies to Christ, then allow him to renew your minds. So that the very things of God will become the things of yours. One of my favorite persons is Mother Teresa of blessed memory. Mother Teresa was asked a question that blew my mind. And his response to a question that was asked by a senator. Why do you do the things you are doing? And her response was, my friend, God did not call me to be popular, but to be faithful. God did not call me to be popular, but to be faithful. And if every single one of us who, who has an experience with God can understand that whatever we are going through in life, and sometimes we are going to go through some of the most testing times, you were not called to be popular. I don't want to be seen. Let Christ be seen. And if Christ is seen, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So the less of me that is seen and the more of Christ that is seen, that's what it's all about. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The world we live in embraces thinking patterns that are not similar to the renewed mind. Just think about some of the, the agendas that the world is pushing. It, it, it runs counter to Christ. It runs counter to Christ. And, 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 and to understand the renewed mind, whenever I am pressed by the world and people seek my advice, what do you think? I said, I have no opinion. I live by the word of Almighty God. So what is transformation? Transformation is not a sudden process. 
transformation happens over time. You know, what I call it, I call it a spiritual metamorphosis. A spiritual metamorphosis. Now, when I used to go to school, I used to love a particular experience that was done. Nah, never liked the science, never liked maths. Tried to stay away from it in university. But I like an experience that my teacher did when I was in sixth grade. She asked us to bring <coughs> to class a caterpillar. Do you know what a caterpillar looks like? She said, each student bring a caterpillar in a liquor container and what leaves to bring with it. And we watch over time as that caterpillar evolves, the process of metamorphosis, evolves into a butterfly. And I was blown away. How could a caterpillar become a butterfly? Then I looked back at myself. And I said I was lost. Now I wasn't done. I was controlled by the devil. How could somebody as vile and sinful as you and I become who we are today. It is because of the spiritual metamorphosis that has taken place by the glorious God that has transformed our lives. The beautiful thing about this is that this process still is ongoing. God can take anybody and make you into somebody. God can take the vilest sinner and make you into a person of pride and purpose. Isn't he wonderful? Don't care how messed up, broken we are. God can fix it. And the nursery rhyme we used to say in kindergarten school, Humpty Dumpty sat up on a wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And there all the king's men and horses could not put Humpty Dumpty together again. God can take the broken pieces and put it back together again. Just allow him to transform your life. You know, <laughs> what is transformation? Transformation, when transformation takes place, <laughs> there is a full abandonment of self and you are in full alignment with the will of God you know if, if you don't remember anything else I said today remember this that you you cannot ask a dead person to grow very often when things are not going right we tend to say, let's make changes here. Let's make changes here. I believe that one of the greatest changes that can take place is the transformation of the mind. When we are alive in Christ, then we will go. So 
Paul in a skillful way is addressing the Roman church. If Christ is in charge of your life, then what is wrong with your life? Christ can fix it. Who is this Jesus? Who calmed the troubled sea? Who is this Jesus that is called the bread of life? Who is this Jesus who is deemed as a great physician? Who is this Jesus that is the Alpha and the Omega? This is the same Jesus that died on Calvary's cross. This is the same Jesus that is alive today. And this is the same Jesus that can fix anything that is wrong with our lives. But how will that take place? Paul said, I beseech, I hurt, I beg, I plead with you. Give yourself to him. Because it's only when you have given yourself to him can you begin to experience the experience that transcends all other experiences, the grace and the abundance of God. Then God will take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. I close today with a simple illustration. Over 25 years ago, <clears throat> just graduated from seminary, and I like the God I serve. He rubs off the rough edges from you. <laughs> and I thought that I was going to be pastoring in one of those big circuits in Jamaica. I even thought, I said, Paul, just left university, went to seminary, and with all of my academic achievement, I will be placed somewhere. But I was placed in the mountains of Jamaica. In one of, possibly one of the, the roughest terrain. And I had to do things that I've never done in my life. I had to carry water. There was no running water there. I had to walk great distances. One of the churches was way in the mountains. I had to walk for over five miles to get there and to come back. And on one of the journeys to that church, I was tired. I was perspiring. I sat underneath a tree. I was resting. I said, God, I started to talk to him. Why am I doing this? I am eminently qualified. I could, I, 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 I could be doing something else. I had nothing. Then God just popped it in my heart. He said, you are not your own. You belong to me. And I fell on my knees underneath the tree and started to cry out, thank you, God for the privilege of sharing the suffering of the cross. Thank you, God, 
that is not about me, it's about you. When you have presented yourself to Christ, it is no longer about what you want, but what Christ wants for you. And if he calls me to suffer, I will suffer. If he calls me to die, I will die because he has made me alive by the grace and the graciousness of the relationship that I shared with him. It is that Christ that openly speak into your hearts today. It is that Christ that challenges you from your comfort zone. It is that Christ that whispered to you who whispers to you when pride seems to be taking over. It is a God that tells you that the greatest investment you can make is the investment of yourself to him. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice to Christ. What is it that you have to give today? Jesus Christ has given you the greatest gift, the gift of his own life that you might live. Today you too can make that presentation, that offering of faith, that offering of self, that say, God, it's no longer about me, but it's about you. It's no longer about what I want, but what you want, God. And I'm going to step out in faith. I had the privilege of sitting in a Sunday school class this morning. I was blessed. I just listened. And I said, what a tremendous man of God as he expounded the word. And as a theologian, I said, on the ball. This God is on the ball. He wants to engage you wherever you are right now. Every need, every situation, every burden, every mountain, every chain, every sickness, whatever it is, lay it bare at the feet of Jesus and begin to experience the power of a transforming God. How he works, and he still works, for there is power in the name of Jesus. And as your pastor comes to bring the service to a close, why don't you make that presentation, whatever it is to God, in Christ, in his name, today we celebrate. Amen.